Welcome to London Calling EU, a podcast from the EU delegation here in the UK. I'm Rosie Goldsmith. I'm a journalist, formerly BBC, and director of the European Literature Network. In a previous episode, we looked at the Eurovision Song Contest as a tool of cultural diplomacy and discussed how this much-loved competition has navigated its new relationship with the UK. At the recent Hay Festival, in partnership with the Song Contest itself, we hosted a Eurovision Book Contest. It was great fun and important. In the same way that music is an established tool of cultural diplomacy, so are books and translation. So in this episode, we turn to the role of literature and how it can help maintain the strong cultural bonds between the EU and the UK. In May, I curated and hosted the inaugural European Writers' Festival at the British Library here in London. In collaboration with UNIC, the European Union National Institutes for Culture, the European Parliament Liaison Office and the EU Delegation to the UK in London and my very own European Literature Network, The festival was a triumph. Everyone agreed. We brought together 30 outstanding writers from across Europe, amongst them the International Booker Prize winner Georgi Gosbodinov from Bulgaria and the Ondaatje Prize winner, the Cypriot poet Antony Anaxagouro. So how do all of us working in the European literature and culture itself, how do we continue to build on these successes? The European Writers' Festival is itself the inspiration for today's podcast. And now let me introduce you to our guest speakers, both dedicated cultural diplomats. Elke Ritt is in Berlin, and she's the Director of Arts at the British Council in Germany, with a long-time professional engagement with Creative Europe. And Matthias Rambo in London, who worked alongside me organising the European Writers' Festival. He's also co-president of Unic London and attaché for books and ideas at the French Embassy to the UK. Now, Matthias, if I may first come to you, let's talk about the European Writers' Festival. Now, it was a significant step for the UK in its new relationship with the EU. Tell me about the idea behind it and why you think it works so well. Thank you, Rosie, and hello both. Well, actually, it all started with an observation, really, that there was a lack of a big European event dedicated to literature in the UK. Of course, I'm not saying that there aren't any European projects related to literature, and I'd like to seize this opportunity and this platform to pay tribute to some of them. For example, the European Poetry Festival, which is a great initiative run by Stephen Fowler, who does an amazing job in his field. Of course, the European Literature Network, Rosie, which you founded 15 years ago. A good 10 and then some. (laughs) Feels longer. And this network obviously champions European literature in in a way nobody else does. So we, Europhile, should be grateful to you for for your work. I could also mention the European Literature Night at the British Library or the European Writers' Tour created in 2017 by Unique London. But somehow we had the feeling that a big European literature event where writers from all over Europe would gather in a single place during a two-day festival was simply something people were missing. So we decided to organize it in partnership with the British Library and the European Literature Network. 
So Rosie, you were our artistic director and um, curator for this uh, first edition. And we were lucky enough to have the support of the delegation of the European Union to the United Kingdom and the European Parliament Legion Office in the United Kingdom. So that's how it started. Now, you know, it's easy enough to say it was a success because we know it was. And it was quite surprising how incredible it was. And I think it took all of us organising it by surprise as well. And I think it showed for me, and I don't know whether you agree, Matthias, that this country was really crying out for something like this. We needed, you know, after Brexit and all the kind of the chaos, if you like, in the cultural field as a result of that, we needed a hub. We needed somewhere where we could all gather and share ideas, come together, you know, and listen to great literature, great ideas, and, you know, meet again. And that, I think, is one of the main reasons it was such a success. What do you think? You know, what other elements were there that contributed to this? And funding really helps. <laughs> yeah, really, the idea, it's a hub, like you said. So the idea of bringing European writers from east to west and north to south, from Turkey and Ukraine to Ireland and from Finland to Portugal was really a unique thing, really, uh, didn't happen before. And of course, the, the subtitle of, of, of the European Writers' Festival is very important. We decided to call it The Stories We Tell. Uh, and it's all about that, really. It allowed us to tackle ideas such as freedom of expression, war in Europe, uh, history, uh, language and translation. So all of these topics of course, writers are doomed to language per se. You know, they, this is their tool, uh, their artistic tool. So this is very easy for them to fit in this narrative of, uh, you know, storytelling about Europe. I think they are the best artists who can speak about such topics. Now, as you and I and Elke, as we all know, that literature and translation and publishing and all these areas, they're an incredibly important part of the creative industries. And I'm wondering, Elka, from your viewpoint, from the British Council's viewpoint and all the international work you do, and you know, speaking from Berlin, how you see literature as part of the overall toolkit, if you like, for cultural diplomacy? Well, I'm in the British Council in Germany, literature is one of the most important tools for our cultural relations work. But let me congratulate you first on your marvelous work in the European Literature Network and uh, also on the success of the European Writers' Festival. It must have been an amazing opportunity for all the writers. This topic of storytelling um, is a very important one. Of course, the European context is an important one. From my personal point of view, festivals with a European culture focus happening in Europe, all festivals happening in, in Europe normally have a European focus. I mean, most of them. Um, so why do we need another European culture focus like that? And from the British Council's point of view, we move more towards bilateralism. Uh, for example, in Germany, the literature programs that we run, the British Council Literature Seminar, work with our main festivals in Germany, with the main venues. This is all in um, more on a bilateral basis in bringing two countries together rather than bringing Europe and the UK together. Although, uh, of course, European values, themes, all that is, is shared very much. I mean, working with UNIC a lot, and they do uh, in Munich, it's the biggest cluster of UNIC in, um, in Europe. 
or probably in the world. There are projects like this where there's a European literature uh, festival coming up here in Berlin as well. But where is the difference to other festivals like the International Literature Festival in Berlin, which has uh, an international focus, but where many, many writers are, of course, European. It is quite difficult to cover it. From my perspective, it is more important when you're working culturally in Europe to cover the differences between the different countries in Europe, the nuances which are interesting, because there's so much common ground of European values anyway, rather than mixing it all up. You may have had a completely different experience in London. We're very happy to hear your experiences as well, because I think that's been really what's missing to a certain degree, you know, over the last few years where, you know, we've also lost Creative Europe funding and various other really major schemes, we're all having to think how we now explore these new relations. And you were speaking about bilateral relations. I think Matthias perhaps can tell us also how it's working now in collaboration with UNIC, because it is possible, even though we're not part of Creative Europe, to have these bilateral relations. And I think that's a really important message for all of us in the UK, working with the rest of the EU as well. How does it work from the UK's point of view, Matthias, if we want to work on European projects, say with you know, somebody in Germany, with Elke? I know the name of this podcast is, is about cultural diplomacy, but I really think it's more about the cultural relations, the, the, the cultural diplomacy as such. I'm head of the books and ideas department at the French embassy, but when I put my unique co-president hat on, I work differently. We all do at Unique London uh, and in any unique cluster in the world. We take a step back from our respective national agendas and take a step forward on the European agenda. I mean, all festivals, all literary festivals or artistic festivals have European focus in, in, in some extent. But what was unique about the European Writers' Festival, only European artists participating and talking about Europe. Europe was the topic of our discussions, as I mentioned before. It was really a way for us to engage with the British audience on this very topic. It's really about a multilateral approach. It's really about enhancing intercultural dialogue and bringing mutual benefits to all the parties involved. I totally agree with you. And I think that people like to know that we are actually in the UK. We are still part of Europe. I mean, that's the message, the most important message to get across, really. And I think that things might have changed, but we are using this now, these opportunities now that are in there, such as the European Writers' Festival and various other things that are happening, including the various festivals that the individual cultural institutes put on as well. I mean, the French Institute puts on a very, very important literary and ideas festival and the Goethe Institute does, just talking about you, um, particularly because you're you know, French and German. And I think that this idea multicultural is very important, but the bilateral links are also very important for us because if we're looking for funding our individual projects in the UK, we have to go to you as individual institutes as well. We can't go to you now for a Creative Europe budget as a, an entity. So I think that there are new grants available. And if you look at literature and translation, there are definitely lots of opportunities. And it's about telling people, informing people what they are. Matthias, you're brilliant at telling people, you know, what's available for translation. You know, it's doing so much. You've got a wonderful catalogue as well, where we can inform ourselves about what's still available. Absolutely. Yeah, we, so 
each year during the London Book Fair, we broadcast our so all the grants that for translated literature that are offered to British publishers by all the European members, all the European countries. And of course, all European countries support their literature in English translation. Some of them have even several organizations uh, which support literature in translation. If we take the example of Spain, British publishers can get support from the Spanish Ministry of Culture for books in Spanish from Spain, but also from the Ramon Llull Institute for books in Catalan or for the Basque Extipare Institute for books in, in Basque language. This is the same from the Goethe Institute, from the French Institute, and all the, the European countries can support literature installation in the UK, which is a very important thing because, as you know, you, you might know, translated fiction in the UK publishing market is a very small proportion. It's a bit, a bit more than 3% of the production and uh, a bit less than 6% of the sales. Uh, which is which is not a lot, although the British uh, publishing market is huge. It's two hundred thousand books published each year, so it's it's uh, it's a lot. I just want to bring Elka in there because Elka, I think you know anybody sitting outside of Britain is always quite shocked at how small those percentages are for what we publish in translation. But in Germany, you read at least fifty percent in translation. So literature has and translated literature has a completely different standing and status in Germany. Absolutely, yeah. particularly um, literature translated from the English. There's uh, a, a flourishing market and COVID didn't do it any harm at all. I mean, it, uh, it's doing even even better. And, um, and there are lots of translation funds like the Übersetzer Fonds in Germany who are helping. And uh, you mentioned the Goethe Institute. So this is an area which is really flourishing. And this is why, surprisingly, the UK never needed to be the guest of honor at the Frankfurt Book Fair. So many countries have been uh, showcasing their brilliant literature in Frankfurt, but the UK never had to do that because they're already so well showcased all o over the world. So it, I have always been dreaming of such a big showcase, but um, <laughs> for British Council reasons, but uh, it's not really necessary because the, the goal has been reached uh, already that British literature and translation is uh, very present in, in Germany and other countries. But the other thing that, I mean, knowing Germany very well and, you know, and all the other countries of the EU, luckily, one of the things that I really admire in the rest of Europe are these Literaturhäuser, to use the German expression, because the literature houses and places of residency, there seem to be very few in the UK. And I personally have always thought that would be a wonderful idea to help us develop the role of European literature. That would be fantastic. I mean, there's some very good literature and residencies like Cove Park in, in Scotland, for example. I'm thinking of which is very much in demand by German writers as well. But there could be many more. I mean, you can't think of a city in Germany which doesn't have a writer in residency attached to the Rathaus, to the town hall, to the uh, cultural program of the city. So that is certainly an area where the UK could beef up in creating literature residencies uh, for international writers. Well, if someone wants to get in touch, I'm very happy to lead a literature house revolution in the UK. We, I think it's such a great idea. We were talking about festivals, of course, and the festivals are very, very important in promoting not just cultural values, literary values, translation, all those things. 
And I wonder whether you feel also that prizes, literary prizes do that equally. I know they're held in very great regard, high regard in this country. I mean, we've just had the awarding of the EBRD Literature Prize, which is connected to the European Bank for Reconstruction Development. I used to be the chair of the judges for that. And um, the other one is the International Booker Prize, which was just awarded to Georgi Gospodinov from Bulgaria. And there are many more. I would like to hear also mention the EUPL Prize, the European Prize for Literature, which is based in Brussels, but it combines all the different European book trade and literary associations across the EU. And of course, we have we don't have as much input now. So again, that's another great loss to this country. But I wonder what you both feel about the importance of these prizes in actually promoting not just literature and translation, but you know, European arts in general. Matthias. I'm not an expert, but I definitely know that International Booker Prize has a huge impact on sales and on acquisitions of rights. I think that if a long-listed book is shortlisted, I think the number of languages in which it is uh, translated uh, will double. So uh, it has really a huge impact. And and funnily enough, there is another prize, which is a a really important one called the Dublin Impact Prize, which has a similar impact, to use that word, on translation and on literature. It's extraordinary, you know, the difference it makes. Elke, what about you? I mean, I know you have different prizes and so on. Certainly, Germans and Europeans follow prizes very, very much. I mean, we are working with British prize winners a lot. We had Abdul Razak Gurner um, at the Frankfurt Book Fair reception that we organized. And he has all his works translated into German by Penguin Random House. It is fantastic. And there's a, a, quite a buzz around him since he's been the Nobel laureate. And we've been working with Bernardine Evaristo on uh, three seminars related to diversity, one on gender, one on race, one on class most recently. Somebody like Bernardine now fills houses uh, like the Haus der Berliner Festspiele with a thousand seats for a writer. That is quite an an achievement. Uh, Prizes make an enormous difference. And uh, the UK is very good at promoting them internationally. Hence, that helps the writers very much. You mentioned diversity and all these other incredibly important developments, not just in culture and politics, but in in literature as well. And I think that's the other thing that's really changed and helped us to embed literature and translation in a much bigger conversation, if you like. It is such a major part of, if you like, this European cultural toolkit. And I wondered whether we could do more to develop that, because literature is often seen as the poor cousin of other arts. Now I just want to ask you both where you see literature compared with other art forms within Europe. Well, it is relatively easy to organise a reading, not so easy to organise a whole festival, of course, but it's also easy to identify residencies for writers who then spend a longer time in the country. I really see literature as the most important and impactful, effective tool for cultural relations work. And literature work is not just being done to raise the profile of an author. It is really about brokering relationships between 
UK and for, in my case, German literary institutions and professionals. And it's um, the most important is probably engaging in conversation about global issues. And that's also something which is interesting in the European context, in the EU context. We have recently organized a school poetry competition and the topic was the future. And these young poets from Germany and the UK were handing in works, didn't deal with structures like governments, like EU at all. They are concerned about global issues, concerned about poverty. They are concerned about climate change. They are concerned about fake news. All these topics um, we all share in common on, in a global context. Uh, so I think these maybe governmental and EU contexts for a younger generation, they will not matter that much in 10 years' time, I think. Um, and British Council is very concerned about young people, so we listen to them. We listen to them too. And the fascinating thing is that in the recent survey that was done about translated literature, the biggest change has been that more young people under 35 are reading translated literature in the UK. And I think that's a really positive thing, something we must keep in mind. And I've had recent fantastic dealings with BookTok and TikTok, and I've been learning so much more about how we can promote literature and translation. So, you know, we're open to all tools in the kit. Matthias, how about you? Yes, uh, indeed, literature is sometimes seen as an old-fashioned medium or outdated art form. But on the other hand, writers' voices are expected. Uh, they are listened to. Two weeks ago, I was listening to uh, Nobel Prize winner Annie Ernaux in conversation with Irish writer Sally Rooney in, in Charleston. And there were like 500 people listening to them as they were politicians or, you know, or spiritual leaders. It was really something encouraging. It's inspiring, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, if I can mention a small anecdote, in March, there was a French-British summit in Paris from which was produced a roadmap. And in cultural field, the, one of the key topics was the creation of a literary Franco-British prize. So I think that's good news for culture and for literature. Now, at the very beginning of this podcast, because we're coming to the, the final few minutes, but at the very start, I mentioned other approaches that we've been taking, like obviously the European Writers' Festival, which we hope will continue because it was such a great success. And the other thing, it was the Eurovision Book Contest. Now, that was great fun. And it was a way of demonstrating that we can actually have fun, you know. And of course, I wore a red sequin suit because it's all about showing that there is great pleasure to be had and joy. And I know that the Eurovision Song Contest gets all the money and maybe they can sort of direct some of it towards literature because, as you say, the literature is quieter, but it does still need money. We do need to pay the authors to come and visit. We do need to pay flights. We need to pay hotels, all those kinds of things. We need to pay the translations and the publishing. And some of those things have got a little bit more difficult because of Brexit so I want to ask you both for a final thought about this idea of literature as a tool for cultural diplomacy. What ideas you might have, what do you think the way forward might be? I can only say that I wish for this European Writers' Festival to continue for very long years in whatever form and places and shape it will take. 
its success speaks for itself. I will really call on, on sponsors to join us uh, in this adventure because I think it's really a very nice platform to showcase great values, great European values um, and uh, all the stories that uh, European writers can tell. That sounds great. And as you said before, I mean, writers hold such an important status in public life. You know, we need to have that connection, not just with Europe, with the rest of the world, in order to be not just better people ourselves, but to be more open-minded. I know we live on an island, but we are still part of Europe. Elke, I'm sure you're happy to hear that. But what are your final thoughts? I cannot imagine a, a world without writers. I mean, they are the most important in reflecting on global issues long-term or also short-term issues like Brexit. With the EU exit, a whole genre, sub-genre was created with Brexit, uh, Alice Smith's Autumn, uh, Jonathan Coe with Middle England, Ian McEwan, The Cockroach. There was so much on each of these books reflected on a political issue in very different ways and it helps readers to reflect on a phenomenon from different perspectives in very different illustrations and through other people's minds. I cannot imagine a world where this isn't possible because otherwise we are stuck in our own ideas and so much helps having books to go beyond one's own ideas. Perfect. Well, you are both such perfect cultural diplomats and um, such great promoters of literature and translation as well. I want to thank you both very much, Elke Ritt in Berlin and Matthias Rambo in London, for taking part, for your time and your insights. And let's hope this conversation continues, uh, that we keep developing these ideas. And do get in touch, any of you who are listening now, have any ideas, any sponsors, any partners for European literature in the UK. We're very, very keen to keep this conversation going. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. Do keep up to date on what the EU is doing and across all the social channels of the EU delegation. And do come and visit Europe House in person if you happen to be in London. It's in the heart of Westminster. My name is Rosie Goldsmith and I'd just like to say goodbye for now and stay tuned for the next episode of London Calling EU. Goodbye. Goodbye.